Galatians chapter 1. We've just begun the book of Galatians. We read the first bit of chapter 1 last week. And this week we come to Galatians chapter 1, the second half. We'll start in verse 11 and move on through verse 24, the end of the chapter. The words will be on screen, and I invite you to open a Bible if you have one handy or on your phone if you're watching online so that you can follow along. Paul writes this to the church in Galatia. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how I intensely persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous in the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. And later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, or Peter, and stayed with him for 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. And I assure you before God that what I am writing is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia, and I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sometimes you hear a story of faith that is so epic, so amazing, that it's, it's hard to believe it's true. Maybe you've heard of, of uh, a gang member who turned to the gospel. He, he left behind a life of violence and crime and drugs and, and turned to Jesus, to a way of peace and truth, to the gospel. I, I've heard stories of uh, Buddhist friends in Laos who uh, had dreams of Jesus calling them to come to him. And they heard the gospel and they believed. I've heard of people who walked uh, a, a lifetime away from God only to turn to God at the end of their life. I've heard many stories from you about your life of faith, how how God met you along the valley of the shadow of death and, and shepherded you through. Now, the Apostle Paul has a story to tell here in Galatians. He went from being this diehard persecutor of the church to a, a, the greatest messenger of the gospel there's ever been. He was a preacher of the gospel, a, a missionary extraordinaire, and a writer of almost half of the New Testament. And still, he says to them, the source of the gospel of grace is Jesus Christ alone. But the problem is that the Galatians don't really believe him at all. They're set on following this, this other way, this different gospel. Paul calls it no gospel at all. They've been told that they need to become Jews in order to really receive God's blessing. Uh, Believing in Jesus and being baptized is not quite enough. You have to do just a little bit more to get you over the line. That is not good news at all. It is bad news. And they are turning away from the grace of Jesus Christ to something else. But it didn't start out that way. When Paul first visited the Galatians, uh, they believed the good news eagerly. 
Uh, he came there on his first missionary journey with Barnabas, uh, leaving from his town in Antioch and heading up into what's now modern-day Turkey, kind of right in the dry middle of Turkey in the wheat fields. And there he preached to them the gospel. He told them the good news of Jesus Christ and how they are saved by grace. And, and then some other people came along. They, they told them that they weren't good enough, that they needed to do something else to receive God's blessings, that they needed to keep all of the Jewish laws, all the religious and ceremonial laws, even circumcision. And that's why Paul writes this letter to the Galatians. He preaches to them right from the very beginning. He lays it out. Paul is sent by God. He says it in the first verse, sent by God, not by men or a group of people. And he comes to preach the grace of Jesus Christ and then Paul gets to the point. The, how, how could they so quickly turn away from the gospel? How could they turn away from the gospel that they heard? He's astonished. He's, he's uh, surprised. He's disappointed at them. And he is downright mad at those people who preach that false gospel to them. Worse, he knows how they did it. These false preachers attacked Paul, this messenger of the gospel. They were saying that Paul really isn't a good apostle. He doesn't really know how this works. He wasn't there at the beginning. He persecuted the church, so don't trust him. He's got this from somewhere else, not from the leaders in Jerusalem. So Paul tells them his story. And he tells them his story to set them straight. He wants to, to let them know that the source of the good news of Jesus Christ is Christ alone not him. Now, Paul knows they've heard this story before, but he wants them to hear it again. And the first reason he wants them to listen is because God turned his life around. See, he started out as a Jew, a Pharisee, the best of Jews, no less. And he was super religious. He, he kept all the rules. He did all the festivals and rituals, and no one had anything bad to say about him. And then at some point, he turned into this fanatic, he hunted down any followers of the way of Jesus he could find. He, he watched over the stoning of Stephen. And then one day, he was on his way from Jerusalem to Damascus with papers in hand to arrest any followers of Jesus that he came across. And he met Jesus. He literally saw the light and he heard Jesus say, Why are you persecuting me? And he went on to Damascus. He, he, fell, to, he fell to his knees and, and responded to the gospel and then went on to Damascus as Jesus told him. And there he met this brave Christian who dared to go visit this persecutor of the gospel, who heard his story, who welcomed him and prayed over him and baptized him. And then, then he went on to preach. See, that's the second reason they should follow the gospel. It comes from Jesus. Paul met Jesus end of story. And so immediately Paul starts to preach in the, in the synagogues right there in Damascus that very weekend. He doesn't hesitate at all. He, he gets to preaching them and he, he tells people about the gospel of Jesus until they throw him out of town. And instead of going to Jerusalem, which would make sense at this point, he heads out into the desert. He goes out into Arabia, uh, south and, west and east of, of Damascus. And, and we don't know what he does in the desert. He stays there maybe three years I imagine he spends time praying and studying the scriptures and uh, perhaps preaching the gospel. And after about three years, he returns to Damascus and then heads up to Jerusalem. And this, by the way, is the third reason that Paul's gospel is true. Because he didn't have to check with anyone or get permission to preach it. He didn't have to get his preaching license or graduate from seminary. He simply preached the grace of Jesus. And then, finally, he goes to Jerusalem, he says. 
and he stays with, his, with Peter for 15 days, and oh, he, he met James too, the brother of Jesus, but he didn't hear the gospel from them. He didn't come to them to, to be preached at or, or be baptized. No, it was like a courtesy visit, says one pastor. He, he didn't ask for their stamp of approval on what he was doing. He just preached the gospel. And then he kept on preaching. He went north from Jerusalem all around Syria, and he preached in all the different uh, towns there. That included his home church in Antioch and even all the way back to his home uh, town of Cilicia, where he was born. And he preached the gospel for something like 14 years before he went back to Jerusalem again. Now somehow the word about Paul spread among the Christian churches, even the ones he'd never been to down south of Jerusalem in Judea, and they give praise to God for what they hear. They give praise to God for what Paul is doing, and that, by the way, Paul says, is the proper response to the gospel. Not that they praise him, but that they point to God. Now at this point in the, the story, you might be a little bit put off by Paul. I can see how you might be. He, sometimes he seems to be tooting his own horn. He's bragging a little bit. He's talking about himself too much. He doesn't quite seem like a a trustworthy preacher of the gospel. And if someone like Paul came in here, we'd be pretty skeptical of him. If he showed up one day and couldn't stop talking about himself, how would you trust them or, or, or know that what they trust is true, what they say is true? Because in this world of, of deception and lies and fake news, it can be hard to know who to trust. And one way to tell, I think, is, is to look at who or what someone points to. Do they point to themselves or to something greater? Do their words and actions point to Jesus? Do they line up with what Jesus said to love God and love your neighbor? Or do they promote their own image, their own business, their own power? Another reaction you might have to Paul's testimony is this. How can my story ever match up. See, Paul's story has it all. It's, it's got this evil background and then a, a dramatic conversion. It's got a desert journey and then a long slog of faith and, and finally a quest for the good. It almost sounds like a plot from a Star Wars movie. But Paul is not only, oppo- not only opposed to the gospel from the beginning, he, he became the one responsible for preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, uh, which included, by the way, most of the whole world. It includes us. And then he wrote about 48% of the New Testament. It's hard to beat Paul's story. But maybe you grew up in the church and you've been here your whole life. Maybe you, you're like Judy and Jenna who was born and baptized in this church and are about to stand before us and profess their faith. Or maybe you've drifted away and come back to God recently. But either way, how could your story compare? Well, Paul has something to say about that. Because for Paul, it's all about what God does. Check out verse 15. He says, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. See, God called Paul. God called Paul, period. It happened on that Damascus road one day, but it began long before. It began before Paul was even born, he says. God chose him. God set him apart. God made him holy and called him by grace. And it was grace from the very beginning. Grace in his family. Grace in the synagogue. Grace in the studying of scriptures for all of those years. Grace even in his zeal for God. None of that was for nothing. 
It all points to the grace of Jesus Christ working within Paul to bring, the, bring him to the gospel. And all of it points to Jesus. See, God called Paul to preach the gospel. And what it looks like is revelation. It looks like Christ in me. Paul met Jesus on that Damascus road. And what Paul preaches is the gospel. He's not preaching about Paul. He's preaching about God revealing Jesus Christ in him. Christ in me. And that is the ultimate goal of all Christian preaching, all Christian study, all Bible reading and discipleship and prayer and worship. Christ in me. And that's why Paul tells his story. Because it all points to Jesus. And that brings us back to another reason why Paul reminds the Galatians of his story. He preaches the gospel on Jesus' authority. Paul didn't need to check out what Jesus revealed him with someone else before he preached it. He didn't need to check in with any human authority. He went out to the desert to, to study and pray and preach. And he knew, and we know, that by the power of the Holy Spirit it is such that we know God's word is true. We don't need to prove it by human wisdom or human authority. Paul couldn't, and he didn't even try. He lays down this subtle challenge to those false preachers of the gospel to Galatians, he says to them, what's your story? What's your source? And Paul simply told the story of what Jesus had done in him. That is the source. And if any source is okay, then those false preachers are just as good as Paul and anything goes. No, says Paul, the source of truth is Jesus Christ. And we Christians have always believed that the Bible is the story of God's grace, that it is God's self-revelation to sinful humanity, that God knows our story, a story of sin and sorrow and suffering, and he wants us to know God's grace and glory. And ultimately, the source is what matters. God is the source of what we believe. Ultimately, God is the source of what we believe. And Jesus is revealed in the person of, uh, God is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, Christ in me, as Paul writes. And that's why we tell our stories, like Paul did. We tell our story of grace. We tell our stories shaped around the life of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And that's why Jenna and Judy come before us to profess their faith, to tell their story of faith before Jesus. And I'd like to invite them to come up now uh, to stand by the font, by the baptism font, and we'll continue with the profession of faith. Jenna and Judy, professing faith is, is about your story in the life of Jesus Christ and your story in this congregation, which began before you were born when God called you and chose you. It continued when you were baptized that day many years ago together and you received the waters of baptism. Profession of faith begins with baptism because we remember our baptism in the light of Jesus Christ. And now you lay hold to your baptism. You claim it and name it as your own and, and you receive the, the, the full benefits of participation in this life of, uh, of Christ in this community. So we with great joy welcome you and we'll, we'll hear your profession of faith before us. I invite you to, to dip your hands in the water if you'd like and, and remember your baptism.
your story began with baptism, but it continued from there through uh, your families, them telling you the story of faith, through uh, members of this church and preachers and Bible teachers, through catechism, through learning the word of God, uh, through mission trips and uh, foot washing and many other uh, milestones of faith in your life. And now it comes to this moment when you profess your faith before the people of Jesus Christ. And I'll ask you a series of questions, and then each of you can answer each of those questions with, I do, God helping me, okay? Do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And do you confess Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior? Do you accept the scriptures, the Old and New Testament, as the only rule for faith and life? Do you, uh, relying on the grace of God, promise to confess Christ publicly to others, to serve Christ daily, and to walk in Jesus' way? Do you promise to exhibit uh, the joy of new life in Christ, to share fully in the life of the church, to be faithful in worship and service, and to offer your prayers and gifts? And do you promise to accept the spiritual guidance of this church, to walk in the spirit of Christian love with this congregation, to seek those things which make for unity and purity and peace? Congregation of Jesus Christ, please rise. I'll ask you a question and then you answer, we do, God helping us. Do you promise to love and support Judy and Jenna with your prayers and encouragement and example? Let's speak the words of the Apostles' Creed now together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Now I'd like to bless you and pray for you. I'm going to put my hands on your head and pray for you. Oh Lord God, bless these, your servants, Judy and Jenna, with a rich measure of your spirit, Defend and protect them from the evil one. Guide them in the way of truth. Lead them by your spirit as they walk in your way, that they may know Jesus Christ and be known by him, that he may be found in them, and that as they speak and walk and work and live and study and learn in your kingdom, we pray that they may always show the face of Christ to others. And now I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace now and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Let's respond in song to their profession of faith and Paul's profession of faith uh, by singing a song, Who You Say I Am, a song that speaks of our identity in Christ. I invite you to